The following audio is from a sermon series on the book of Colossians entitled, Jesus Over Everything. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit sacredcitychurch.com. Hear the word of the Lord from Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Um, my name is Tyler St. Clair. It is an honor and a privilege to be here um, breaking the bread of God's word. I'm pleased. Um, I know we just prayed, but I always pray um, before I begin to preach. So please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we are um, in desperate need. We are... Um, expectant. We need your spirit to be our preacher and our teacher. Um, We don't need to hear words from a man. We need to hear words from on high. Father, I pray that um, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. God, I pray that you um, hide me behind the cross and allow me to point to an empty tomb. I pray that we see the Lord Jesus more clearly, that we desire to follow him more nearly, and that we look more like our Savior than we did when we first walked in here. God, I pray that you bless this time of uh, your word being preached. pray that you're glorified, and I pray that we are edified. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, I'm going to be in Colossians chapter uh, 1. Justin, I'm um, not Justin, uh, Ben did the hard work, because I hate talking about myself, so I'm glad he did the introduction. Um, so I, I just want to jump right into God's word. So Colossians chapter 1, in, in verses 15 through uh, 20, um, Paul breaks into this little doxology. P- Paul breaks into a, a, a hymn of praise to this, this King Christ, and he, he repeats the same phrases over and over again. He, he says, um, in him, through him, and for him. He's pointing to this Christ, this, this self-sufficient, this, uh, uh, this Christ who sustains the whole universe, Jesus who created everything in him, through him, and for him. Paul is removing all vagueness, no, no ambiguity, no, no, no uh, beating around the bush. He is explicitly stating that Jesus is the undisputed, unquestioned creator of all things. And he sustains all things. He, he holds all things together. And he's ruler of all. Jesus is both supreme and sufficient, according to Paul. But then he he makes a very, very weighty claim in verse 19. He, he wake, makes a very, very uh, uh, big boast, a very big claim about who Jesus is in verse 19. 
It says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness, or the word I like to use, all of God's godness to dwell in him. Don't skip over that word pleased. It, it, the father was pleased. This, this, this wasn't done um, reluctantly. This wasn't done with hesitation. This wasn't done grudgingly. Uh, God Almighty willingly and joyfully put on a human body and dwelled. The king of heaven willingly invaded earth through a human body. He was delighted that the fullness, the totality, the completeness of God resided in Jesus Christ. Don't miss this. All of God's fullness, all of God's godness, all of God's divine attributes, his characteristics, his nature, his being dwelled in Jesus Christ. See, friends, Jesus was not junior varsity God. Jesus was varsity God along with the Father. He was not subordinate to the Father. Repeatedly in the gospel, he says, I am the Father of one. When you see the Father, you've seen me. For he was pleased for uh, his fullness to dwell in him. This is a big claim. This is a weighty claim. And, and much like today, uh, assertions like this and claims like this that God took on flesh and God dwelled in a human body was a stumbling block to the people of Colossae. This was a stumbling block to the people of Colossae. And this is a stumbling block to people today. To, to understand why, why Paul is digging in deep and he's going on and on about Jesus being the creator, Jesus being the sustainer, Jesus being the head of the church uh, for him, in him, and through him. Paul is making this claim because the people of Colossae had Jesus all the way twisted. They were confused. Let me explain. They were confused about who Jesus was. They were misconstrued. See, the people of Colossae was, uh, this church was filled with Jews and Gentiles. So there was all kinds of schools of thought. There was all kinds of philosophy. There was Gnosticism. There was Jewish legalism, as you'll see in chapter 2. There was Greek philosophy. And there was just straight-up pagan uh, hedonism and mysticism. So you have all these competing schools of thought, all these competing philosophies. And they all were confused about who Jesus was. And the sad reality is these competing philosophies, these competing schools of thought began to muddy the water of who Jesus was. And Christians in the church began to drift from the reality of who Jesus was. They began to drift from the, the reality and the fact that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Not half God, not half man, not, not 75% God and 25% man. Jesus was fully God and fully man for it pleased. God, to have his fullness dwell in him. It was widely taught and believed and, 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 and accepted that a holy, righteous God could not have any dwelling, uh, dealings with the material, sinful world. So they created these different gradations of spiritual beings. They had a, a hierarchy of gods. And some of the lowercase deities could take you to the main deity. Paul is showing 
the Colossians, that the, the gap between a holy God and, and unholy, uh, unrighteous sinners was closed through the incarnation of Christ. See, the gap, they, they, had, they had it partially right. The, the gap was very wide between a holy and righteous God and unholy people. It was a wide gap. It was a gap so wide that God himself had to close it. Scholar and theologian Douglas Moo, he, he renders verse 19, he says, God in all his fullness has chosen to dwell in Christ. All that God is, Jesus is. The apostle John used the same word when describing the incarnation in John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verse 14 John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt and, and tabernacle. That word means he pitched his tent. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one, the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Paul and John both use the same word, that, that God dwelt, he tabernacled, he pitched his tent amongst his people. The, the eternal word, the eternal God being truly human. Deity invading humanity. The, the infinite God invading the finite. God himself condescending to his creation. God almighty stepping out of eternity and into time and space. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. Both Paul and John are both pointing back to uh, uh, a, the, the wilderness tabernacle in the book of Exodus where, where the very presence of God dwelt amongst God's people in the tabernacle. The tabernacle was in the midst of the people and it, it served as a vivid sign of divine presence as God led them to the promised land. Jesus tabernacled amongst his people. Again, it was, it was God uh, in all his fullness, all his godness, all his divine attributes, all his being manifested in God the Son. Not partially, not, not, not some of God, not most of God, the fullness. Friends, we live in a similar time as the, the people of Colossae. People are very, very confused about who Jesus is. He's a prophet. He's a good teacher. He, he's a model to follow. Like the people of, of Colossae, there is a subtle temptation to not to, hear this, not to subtract Jesus all the way, but to add to Jesus. Because they kept Jesus, but they added some Greek philosophy. They kept Jesus, but they added a little bit of their own belief. They, they kept Jesus, and, and they uh, added some wisdom of man. A lot of followers keep Jesus, but we add our obsession with politics. We keep Jesus, but we add an a, uh, obsession with social agendas. The temptation is not to subtract Jesus. It's to say Jesus plus. Jesus plus fill in the blank. Paul is, he's, he's, he's saying that it is, it's in him, it's through him, it's for him. 
Jesus is truly enough. Jesus truly is sufficient. Friends, if we add anything to Jesus, we no longer have Jesus. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Notice this. Notice this. Uh, verses 19 and 20 are one sentence. Verses 19 and 20 are one connected thought. Hear it again. Hear it again. That, that for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to, to reconcile everything to himself. So catch what Paul is saying. Paul, Paul is saying that there was two things that pleased God. God was delighted. God was overjoyed for these two things, to fully reside and be one with his son and to reconcile all creation back to himself through his son. God was pleased. God was delighted. God was overjoyed. He, he willingly put on a human body and reconciled all of his creation back to himself through his son. Friends, Paul already told us that, that all things were created through him. I believe it was verse, uh, uh, verse 15 in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, for he is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation, for everything was created by him in heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, uh, or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. But then sin happened. All things were created through Jesus. All, all things were created for Jesus. All things were created by Jesus, but then sin happened. Though all things were created through him and for him, all God's creation was, in, was no longer in right relationship with him. Sin tarnished that relationship, relationship between the creator and creation. The, the, though his, his divine fingerprint can still be seen on his image bearers, his, his divine uh, fingerprint can still be seen on his creation. Christ's creation was marred by sin. The relationship between uh, uh, King Christ and his creation was broken. Friends, reconciliation had to happen. Reconciliation had to happen. The word reconcile means to make all things right. It means to restore a broken relationship. There was a fracture in the relationship with God and his creation. Reconciliation had to happen. I love this. He was pleased. It pleased him that through him, through Christ, to reconcile everything to himself, whether on earth, or things in the heaven. He made peace. He, he restored that relationship through that old bloody cross. So here I, 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 see, I see three truths about reconciliation. I see three truths about the reconciliation here in verse 20. First, reconciliation is a work of God. Reconciliation is a work of God. It pleased him that, to, that he reconciled, God reconciled everything to himself. We didn't come knocking and say, you know what, Father, we, we, we messed this whole thing up. Can, can we restore this relationship? Contrary to popular belief, the Bible is, is, is not a story of man's search for God. It's a story of man running from God. 
It's a story of man sinning against God and God taking the initiative to reconcile all of his creation back to himself. Again, reconciliation is a work of God. We see this at the very first sentence of the Bible, the very first sentence. In the beginning, God created. Uh, Unlike any other religious writing, it's unique because it insists that the initiative belongs completely on God. Verse 19 precedes verse 20 because God himself had to take on human flesh. God himself had to dwell in a human body because no other man could be the sacrificial lamb. No other man could reconcile us back to himself. So he had to take the initiative. Reconciliation is a work of God. Paul wants us to clearly see that it was through Christ that we were reconciled. Friends, our, our entire uh, walk in reconciliation is an act of the triune God. Ephesians 1 is very clear that we were foreknown. We were predestined. We were called before our birth by the Father. We were rescued. We were reconciled. We were redeemed by the Son of God, and we were sealed, and we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's an act of God. We're just willing participants. Sometimes we're not even willing. (laughs) Again, reconciliation is a work of God. Secondly, reconciliation was achieved through the cross. It says, through him to reconcile everything to himself. How? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The the blood, the the cross points to the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. This this phrase, his blood shed, is a uh, directly uh, uh, points to the substitutionary aspect of Christ's death. It it points back to the Old Testament sacrificial system. Author N.T. Wright put it this way, on the cross, God took upon himself, which stood as the barrier between himself and human creatures i.e. sin. Jesus was our substitute. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. Jesus was the scapegoat. The innocent lamb of God was our substitute, dying in our place for our sin to reconcile us. We were reconciled to the Father. How? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Isaiah put it this way. Yet he himself bore our sickness, carried our pain. But we in turn regarded him uh, stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquity. The punishment of our peace was upon him. And we are healed by his wounds. It was the cross of Christ that paid the debt we owe for our sin. It it was the cross of Christ where Jesus received the wrath of God, the, the judgment of God that we earned because of our sin. Jesus willingly took it to reconcile us back to the Father, to restore that relationship. First, reconciliation is a work of God. It is an act of the triune God. The Father foreknew us. Jesus reconciled us. The the Spirit uh, wooed us. The Spirit uh, seals and sanctifies us. Secondly, reconciliation was through, achieved through the cross. Thirdly, reconciliation 
takes in all things. Notice this, it says, through him he reconciled everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven. The final scope of, of, of this reconciliation is universal. All things that were destroyed and broken by sin will be reconciled, will be uh, at peace with God one day. This will be a universal peace. This will be a perfect and a complete peace. Again, Douglas Moo said, uh, through the work of Christ on the cross, God brought his entire rebellion, uh, rebellious creation back under the rule and reign of his sovereign power. Friends, we, we, if we look at the New Testament, we'll see that uh, uh, the rule and the reign and the kingdom of Christ is both already and not yet. It's, it's, it's already and not yet. Jesus made his very first public declaration, his very first a public announcement. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come to you. Repent and believe the good news. Mark chapter uh, 1 verse 15. Jesus is reigning and ruling right now, but the kingdom is not fully realized. There's still sickness. There's still pain. There's, there's still division. There's still uh, sin. There's still, there's still strife. There's still hostility. There, there's still racism. Jesus is reigning. Jesus is ruling. His kingdom is already, but not yet. While the, the, the blood that was shed on the cross reconciled us and made peace with the Father, the universal and the, the comprehensive peace of God, has not yet been established. Friends, I, I grew up in church. And the first decision I made at 18 is I was done with this whole Jesus thing. I grew up in church and I used to wonder that, that, that why the, the older saints would always sing and talk about heaven. I used to wonder that. In my mind, I had my whole life ahead of me. By God's grace, he saved me at 19. But the older I get and the, the more brokenness I see, I'm starting to long for this day more and more. I'm, 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 I'm starting to long for the universal peace of Christ. I'm starting to long for that day when our Savior makes all things right once and for all. I love this. John gives us a, a beautiful picture of this in Revelation 21. Revelation 21, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice come from the throne. Look, the, uh, the dwelling of God is with humanity and he will live with them. He will tabernacle with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they, uh, uh, he will be their God. He'll wipe away every tear. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, pain will be no more because the previous things have all passed away. By God's grace, when the Lord Jesus returns, we're going to dwell with our gods. He's going to wipe away every tear. 
all the things, all, all the pain, all the sickness, all these things will be no more because of the complete reconciliation of God to his, his creation. That sounds good, preacher. That sounds really good. But what does that have to do with me today? Maybe you're like me, sitting in church bored, wondering, I, I can care less about this as a child. How does this affect my life? I'm glad you asked. This, this reconciliation, this, this, this reconciliation that, that was uh, achieved through the cross of Jesus Christ. What does this have to do with me tomorrow when I go to my job that I do not like and work with people I don't particularly care for? How does this pertain to my life? I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. I'm pulling in the driveway. I'm almost finished. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are Christ ambassadors. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, for he has made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we, we may be, become the righteousness of God. Friends, follow the progression. We sinned, we rebelled, we walked away from God. We, we chose a life of rebellion, a life apart from God through Jesus Christ. We were reconciled back to the Father. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his victorious resurrection, we are now covered in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have this, this ministry and this message of reconciliation. We are now God's means of reconciliation. Isn't that amazing? The, the, the rebellious, the stiff-necked, the one who chose a life without God, God now uses us to reconcile other rebellious, other uh, people who have rebelled and chose a life without God. By his grace, we're given this ministry and this message of reconciliation to a lost and broken world. We were reconciled to God to be reconcilers for God. We were reconciled to God and given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. This, is my, this always blows my mind. God wants to use us, those who are rebellious, those who sin. He wants to use us now that we're reconciled to him, covered in his righteousness, to be his means of reconciling the quad cities, reconciling our neighbors, re reconciling our lo lost family and friends. Friends, we weren't, I always tell my church in Detroit, we weren't saved to be spectators. We were saved for service. We were reconciled to God for his glory, for his name's sake, to be used as his ministers of reconciliation, as his ambassadors. 
Friends, as you go into your, your school, your places of work, remember that you're not just a Christian. You are an ambassador of Christ. You, you have a message. You have a ministry of reconciliation, and the Lord Jesus wants to use you to see broken people, lost people, come and be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Father, we could never express the depths of your love for us. Romans 5 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No, no greater love than this for, for one to lay down his life for a friend. Father, when we were rebellious, Ephesians 1 says, we were dead in sin and trespasses. The Lord Jesus made us alive through his death and through his resurrection. Father, thank you that we have been reconciled to you. The broken relationship that sin tarnished, sin, sin broke this relationship. We are now reconciled to the Father. We are now uh, uh, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Now fill with your precious Holy Spirit. Father, remind us that these times that we live in are, are filled with so much confusion about who Jesus is. So, so much confusion about what the gospel is. So, so much confusion on the purpose of the church. Remind us of who Jesus is. That, that all things are in him, for him, and through him. Remind us that Jesus is enough and remind us that we have been reconciled to you to be used for your glory to reconcile others. We love you, we praise you, and we give you all of the glory. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.